Coming up on this week's episode of Check Your Balances, we talk about Dan Pink's new book, The Power of Regret, and some of the lessons that we took out of it as financial planners. Stick around. That's coming up next. Check Your Balances is a show produced and owned by Craftwork Capital. The views expressed by the hosts and their guests are personal opinions and should not be considered personal financial advice or the opinion of Craftwork Capital. All investments have risk and may lose money. Consult with your financial advisor, tax preparer, or attorney prior to implementing anything discussed, and please do not use this show as the sole basis for financial decisions. Welcome back to another week of Check Your Balances. I am Ross Anderson, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Dan Maseka. Dan, great to see you. Great to see you as well. You've got less hair this week. I have significantly less hair. Uh, so over the weekend, the the brewery that I, I co-founded, Crooked Crab Brewing Company, did an event to benefit uh, childhood cancer research through the St. Baldrick's Foundation. I signed up to raise money for that. And as part of it, in solidarity, everyone who signs up and heads a team shaves their head. People at the brewery pitched in extra money if I would shave my beard. And I'm all about more money for research. So now I, I feel several pounds lighter. I gave my daughter a mild heart attack when I got home, uh, but I think it was all hopefully for a good cause, and uh, I encourage everyone to check out the St. Baldrick's Foundation if you're interested in uh, pitching in. Yeah, we'll we'll go ahead and post a link to that in the show notes. Awesome that you did that, and I mean, I feel like you're probably noticing a stiff breeze meaningfully more this week than you would have last week. Well, immediately what shocks me is, you know, I've had a beard for years, like a pretty full beard. And seeing where my chin actually ends versus where I perceived it ended was a little bit of a shock at first. I'm like, oh my God, my face is much smaller than, than I remember it being. It adds like gravitas for you. So, so uh, I look forward to having it back whenever, whenever it gets here. <laughs> Me too. All right. Speaking of things, and I hope you don't regret having shaved it, but today we're talking about regret. I just recently finished Dan Pink's new book, which is called The Power of Regret. And uh, for those that don't know Dan Pink, he's written a bunch of books that I think are pretty incredible. He He's an author. He's actually based here in D.C., close to where, where uh, Dan Maseka and I both are. And he has written books on, I, I don't want to call them self-help, because I don't think that they're self-help books in that way. But personal and professional development is, is probably how I would categorize most of his writing. Uh, and I put that into this category as well. And his book... To kind of just give you the Cliff Notes version, even though I do think you should go read it or listen to it, he actually reads the audiobook, which is really cool. Um, I, I listen to the audiobook because I can consume that faster. He reads it himself and, and does a great job with it. So this book is really focused on the use of regret as a tool. And he gives a number of examples of kind of this no regrets motto lifestyle extra macho nonsense that people tend to try to portray uh, and that regret is truly one of the most universal things that the only people that don't have regrets are basically having mental like severe mental illnesses or are sociopaths so let's start from the the premise that we all have regrets somewhere and i agree that that uh that's probably true and that if we can harness the power of them that not only can we make better decisions as a result of being reflective on them, but really lead more fulfilling lives. And so I loved it. I thought it was a, a pretty quick 
listen in my case, um, but really, really excellent. And, and I liked a lot of it from a financial planner's perspective. So we thought we'd use that as a jumping off point. He actually categorizes the regrets that he studied into four main categories. Those are foundational regrets, regrets of boldness or, or not being bold, moral regrets, and connection regrets, which I thought was a very good framework to approach this. Yeah, and, and, and he started that from doing an exceptionally large study that he and uh, he, he had some partners that worked on this, and they actually did uh, basically the largest regret study that's ever been done, surveying people, both uh, Americans and, and international uh, survey work on kind of what do people regret and having them write in and tell their stories. Uh, and so there's a lot of that. And I thought that was one of the cool things about it. From a financial planning perspective, the two that resonated most with me, I think were really the foundational regrets and, and the boldness regrets. Uh, and you know, a boldness regret in this case might be, I never took the leap to create my own company, even though I wanted to, or I had an idea and I just never, never took a shot at it type thing. Um, and then foundational, you know, I think is a lot of the stuff that we talk about on our show all the time, which is, I didn't save enough. I didn't prepare for my future or I didn't, I hadn't considered these risks that I was taking, or I didn't, uh, work on my education enough, uh, when I was younger and it changed my career trajectory and, and earnings power and all sorts of things that, um, you know, had you done them might have altered the path of, of, of our lives. And so, uh, I heard a lot of financial planning stuff and, um, you know, Dan, you and I aren't super old guys at this point, but I think we've worked with so many people that have been later in their lives as working with retired people that I've heard a lot of these things reflected. Uh, and so part of this book that I thought was interesting was just how accurate I found it to be when I heard people that that maybe felt like they hadn't prepared adequately and, and what that ultimately looks like. But I, I really feel like we see a lot of that in our practice, not a ton. Most of the people that reach out to financial planners and most of the people probably listening to this show are in general, more prepared people, right? The people that are going to stick their head in the sand and go, well, I'm not going to worry about it until it comes and bites me. Those aren't the folks that are that are our listening audience. So I would guess that we have a fairly prepared group listening to this. But there's certainly a lot of people that are feeling behind or like they haven't done enough when they come to us. And, and uh, I, I seem to see that a lot. And to some extent, while I think people in general, are probably more prepared from a financial aspect because if you're seeking out, you know, a podcast on financial planning or inclined to to read up or listen to things in that in that ballpark, it's clearly on your mind. But one of the foundational regrets that my mind went to was health habits, which can directly impact your finances too. So even if you've been a saver and have been thinking ahead uh, as far as money is concerned. Your health habits are also something both that you can have a lot of regret about, but that can also impact your finances in the future. And those are hard to course correct once you've gotten too far. Yeah. And I think that's what happens with a lot of these things, whether they're financial, whether they're health oriented, whether that's somebody that's you know smoking and ultimately regrets it or, or drinking too much and ultimately regrets it. Um, and Dan, I, I know you and I both have gone through a little bit of this journey personally, uh, and we've talked about it on our show that that uh, we've gotten back into the gym, and I'm not going to say that we're the models of fitness yet, but but we're working on it, and uh, 
And I think that in some ways, that is motivated by the fear of f- future regret, which which is powerful, uh, you know. And 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 in in my mind, that's probably more of a motivator than even the vanity or other things uh, that might be leading me to it. Which is that I don't want to get to that point and then go, oh my gosh, I could have done so much and I didn't. Uh, that fear of future regret is really uh, a powerful motivator for me personally. Now, I have not read the book or listened to the book. I, I intend to. But to kick things off, you started by mentioning that regret can be a powerful tool. Is that kind of what you meant? Just being aware of the power that regret can have on your life and taking action ahead of time? Yeah, it, it's really both, right? It, it's number one, looking at experiences where you feel like you could have done better. And things in the past, whether you weren't as kind to the people around you as you should have been, or whether you look at your actions and and just don't feel like they went the right way. And he gives some strategies for coping with some of those decisions and coping with some of those choices. And it's not about dwelling on them. So that's really important here. It's not about living in the past or spending all your time spinning your wheels with this stuff. It is about understanding it, processing it, and then using it to inform better actions and better outcomes in the future. Uh, and so in some ways, yes, it's looking back on on some of those past decisions, understanding where you could have done better so that when you come across them again in the future, you don't make the same mistakes. And I think investing-wise, one of the studies that uh, that exists basically says how you reacted in past market crashes is a huge indicator of how you're going to react in the future, right? And that's one of the things that... Uh, at our, our prior firm was part of the risk tolerance survey was how did you act in 2008 when everything went went crazy? Were you running for the hills? Did you sit tight? Were you a buyer and you were excited because everything was on sale and on fire, which I don't know that anybody was super excited. But if you put more capital to work in a market crash, that's you're at least trying to throw good money into the situation, right? That's the right response, even if you don't like it while it's happening. What did you do? Right. And and if you sold everything and you sat on the sidelines for a while, you likely regret that. Right. And so as a as an investor, you can use that experience either to inform your decision moving forward and and be better the next time or calibrate your portfolio so that you can tolerate it better next time, or you can follow that same pattern again. Right. And so we can learn from those actions of how you behaved in the past, how you felt about it, uh, and hopefully turn that into a more positive outcome the next time it comes along because it will and it has and and it will again. The power of habit is so strong. I know that's a, a very different thing, but even someone who's aware of what they regret can fall into old habit and convince themselves that even though they regretted something in the past, this time is different and they're trying to rationalize that very same behavior uh, to follow through with the same mistake. And I mean, they're just such strong competing forces battling against the direction you choose to take. Well, there, there was uh, Morgan Housel was recently on on Tim Ferriss's show, uh, and I didn't see all of this. I think it's like a three hour long interview. And one of the things that they were talking about as part of that was basically when you ask people, how are you going to respond in a market decline? When we're sitting here not in a strong market decline, right? If you if if we asked you that and you're perfectly calm, everybody wants to say, "Well, I'd be fine. I'd stick it out. I I would stay the course. I'd buy more. I I would do all of these things that I've been told and taught that I should be doing." But the reality is that it ignores why the market is declining, 
right? So to say, I would be fine, I'm going to be very calm. Well, if it turns out that the market is declining because World War III might be starting and we've got conflict in, in Ukraine and, and all of this stuff doesn't feel good, and then we go, well, that's different. I didn't think it was going to be a war, right? Well, that whatever that event is, that seems to happen each time. We can think about a market decline and go, oh, yeah, I wish I had been a buyer the last time. But once we take the emotion of the actual situation out, it's really, really hard to separate those two. And that's why I think people have such a tough time making good decisions when they don't feel good about the track we're on. Uh, and and as a as an economy, as a people, right? And and so that that tends to be really what overshadows it, I think, is not necessarily the percentage that the market is down. It is how they feel about the future as a result of what's going on around them. The context matters. And that plays a role, a big role. So Dan, I as I thought about the regret conversation, there were a few conversations that really I've had in the past that that stuck out a lot. Um, I remember talking with a gentleman that um, very deeply felt like he he had failed his family uh, as a result of sticking with a money manager that hadn't done well over over a really meaningful period of time. You know that that one really really resonated with me, and and uh, as many folks as I've talked to over the past you know ten fifteen years doing this, that that was one of the conversations that that uh, I'm not sure I'll ever forget. And and this is somebody that had been really professionally successful and had just stuck it out for a very long time with a money manager. Uh, and I don't know who the manager was at this point, but, uh, and it hadn't done well. I mean, we're talking about probably like flat over a decade kind of numbers, right? And the the regret that they were experiencing for having done that and having made those decisions was uh, was palpable. Um, and, and, you know, I kind of, in that situation, I go back and, and the thing that I try to think about both individually as a human and as a, as a financial professional is how could you have made a different decision? Like at what point on the road were you looking at things, right? What evidence did you have at the time? Did you ignore something? Did you ignore a red flag or did you do everything right? And the outcome simply wasn't ideal. And that's how I tend to deal with a lot of, you know, regretful decisions, right? Something that I sold that I wish I hadn't or something that I didn't buy and I wish I had. What evidence did I have at the time? How can I make a better decision going forward? So when I think about from an investing context using regret, that's that's really powerful for me because I think it tries to reframe the decision of how do you learn to make better decisions? How can you learn from those mistakes? And and wh- what did you miss going through it the first time? And maybe the answer was nothing. And it was simply bad luck. And you went through the right process and still had a bad outcome. But that that's what I tend to think about a lot with these types of things. And I think it's important that if you went through the right process and the outcome wasn't what you wanted, that you shouldn't be overly harsh on yourself, that you did the right thing and you should feel... Uh, empowered enough to do that same thing again. So being able to distinguish the outcome from the process is, I think, what's important. Most of what I've seen, and this is immediately where my head went to when you introduced this concept to me, was people prioritizing regrets almost. So the two in particular that I see often at competition with each other is, would I rather regret not being bold enough or 
regret missing out on some foundational thing like financial security. And I can, I can relate to this a lot because I feel like the one area that I've decided I don't want to regret is not taking a bold move. Um, so people who have started a business and left something that was financially stable and predictable in exchange for betting on themselves and growing something, and then finding perhaps a decade later that they missed many years of their best staving, which is now putting them in jeopardy for missing their retirement goals. So, you know, again, it's the process or the outcome, which do you value the most? Like, did you prepare to take that bold move? If you did and it didn't work out, would you rather have regretted not doing it or been where you are now and regretted leaving something that may not have excited you in exchange for that that security and strong foundation? Well, I don't want to ruin the book for you, Dan, but people regret not doing things way more often than they regret doing them, even if they failed. And I think that that was really important. But again, I, I think you're right. And sometimes I think people frame the question wrong, particularly with something like starting a business or a boldness sort of regret in that realm, which is not should I or can I, but what would I need to do to feel comfortable doing this? Right? What, what would I need to do? And for some people, that might require some drastic things. Right, If you're in a really big home and you are spending at the upper end of your earnings range, it might require downsizing lifestyle, tightening your belt so that you could survive on less to get through the building period. That may be required to get comfortable starting a business. But if that's the difference between doing something that you're going to be proud of or that could be huge and financially and uh, emotionally and intellectually rewarding, that might be worth it. So rather than saying, can I or should I, what could I do, I think is a really powerful way to frame that sort of a question. And maybe it's a bad time. You've got kids, you've got other things, other obligations, and you're going to choose to still put it off. That's okay. But I do think that understanding the trade-offs is more important than just a simple binary yes or no. Um, and, and I say that as, as somebody, and, and Dan, you and I together have, have kind of made those trade-offs together uh, a couple times uh, and, and taken some risks together a couple times. So you know, I, I at least think we are trying not to have those boldness regrets personally. Yeah, we've definitely taken a couple bold steps together. In talking again about regrets, you mentioned that you had a lot of examples that came to mind of of people who had experienced, again, primarily foundation regrets or boldness regrets. And I know we're not a life coaching show or anything like that, but I feel like in the conversations I've had most over the decade plus I've been doing this have actually been connection regrets. And that usually comes up indirectly as people are talking, but you know, we are retirement planners among many other things. And you really get a glimpse into the lives that people have created for themselves and the people they surround themselves with. Uh, so I don't know that I have a lot to comment about it, but other than when we were listing the four categories, that that seemed right to me. I, I hear a lot about that and people, you know, describing their family situation, who they have, who they're going to be caring for, and and kind of talking about connections that they wish were stronger. I mean, you're right. We're we're not life coaches by any means, and and uh, probably shouldn't be. Um, we're we're not qualified or, or or experts in anything like that. But I do always come back to the fact that uh, financial planning is a tool. Money is a tool. Wealth is a tool. 
And if you're not using it to do things that you enjoy to connect with the people that, that you care about, um, you know, there is simply no prize for dying with the most money. Uh, and, and so uh, I do think that this work that we do on helping people feel more secure, feel more empowered, build wealth, whether that's to empower their next generation or to do charitable good, I do think it's so important because of that and because of its role in that way. And that is what helps me sleep well at night in terms of the work that we do, because I think it makes people's lives better, even if it's just in that one tiny way. If you've got regrets, things that you would like to share, uh, whether that's anonymously or not, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Things that you've learned from, mistakes that you've made that uh, you hope not to make again, check your balances at outlook.com is the email address for our show. Uh, and we also still have some coffee mugs. Um, I have been super duper slow sending them out in recent history. Uh, but I am promising to all of you listening to get better. So if you've got things uh, that you'd like to share with us or have just enjoyed the show, we'd love to send you a mug. We appreciate you tuning in. Check out Dan Pink's book, The Power of Regret. And we'll see you next week.